This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Thursday afternoon. I am delighted to be live on location at Ernest Manning High School. Of course, we are teaming up with Global Television. They are on the road as well, so they'll be bringing their 5 and 6 o'clock news here from Ernest Manning High School. But of course, this is our, well, every four to five weeks, Marinenci drops by our studio to be able to take questions from you. But this time, he's actually here with us as well at Ernest Manning High School. Marinenci, thanks for coming by. I am super happy to be here. And another little twist is because Ernest Manning High School I mean, it's only six years old, and we remember how they had to build a new school to make way for the C-Train, the uh, West C-Train. And uh, so this is a beautiful new facility. They've got great programs here, AP programs. They've got a great broadcasting program as well. And that's why I'm delighted to introduce three of the broadcast students here at Ernest Manning High School. And they have the privilege of asking the first three questions of the mayor, which doesn't mean you guys get to sit back and not ask any questions. Make sure you text in 403-974-8255 and also call in. We love it when you call in to the mayor. But first of all, I want to say hello to Chris. Hey there. And Tegan. Hello. And Fraser. How's it going? It's going really well. So why don't we um, open things up? Chris, why don't you ask the first question to Marinanchi? Sure. Uh, thanks so much for the opportunity, by the way. It's oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. We did not have a journalism program when I was in high school. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Um, so speaking a little bit on the economic downturn that we've seen in Calgary and Alberta as a whole, I just wanted to talk a little bit about diversifying the economy. There's been a story that's making the rounds that Calgary is attempting to lure in talent from Silicon Valley. Does this set a precedent for how the city will be approaching the issue of diversification in the future? That's a terrific question. So, you know, here in Calgary, we are used to riding the boom and bust cycles. Uh, And we are used to figuring out when we're in bad economic times, you know, just wait, it'll get better. And I have been saying for some time that we actually have to take advantage of this downturn because we have to use this as an opportunity to kind of reinvent the economy a little bit. You know, when I was graduating from high school, not that long ago, the oil and gas sector accounted for 50% of Calgary's economy. And before the downturn in 2015, it accounted for 30%. So we've actually been diversifying all over the place without anybody noticing. But we have to be a bit more purposeful about it. And so we're looking at six areas where we already have strength, but we think that we can grow a lot. Clean tech, transportation and logistics, financial services, creative, biz- uh, creative industries, agribusiness and agri-food, and travel and tourism. And all of that is underpinned on innovation and technology. So I was down in Silicon Valley a few weeks ago and really just talking to the people down there about whether they were concerned about changes to immigration laws in the U.S., difficulty of bringing people in, uh, or just simply the quality of life in Silicon Valley where the housing is so expensive, where the salaries are so high, and if there were opportunities. And while we were down there, we in fact convinced uh, one Silicon Valley firm that didn't have Calgary on their radar to actually open their first 
Canadian office in Calgary, and we'll be announcing that in the next few weeks. Uh, we did a couple of moonshots with really big companies whose names you would know, kind of saying, what do you think about Calgary? And maybe there is a 5 or 10% chance that will lead to anything. But if it does lead to something, that could be tens of thousands of really good jobs here. We're not interested in creating another Silicon Valley. We don't want to repeat the problems they have in Silicon Valley with housing and the war for talent. But we want to be a great opportunity, especially given our time zone, given our proximity, and given the very well-educated people that work here. We really want to be an opportunity for these firms as they grow to think about us as a place for growth. You're Thank good you. with that? Good yeah. stuff. Tegan, how about your question to the mayor? Well, it's an, first of all, it's an honor to be here. Thank uh, you for thank having you, me. Uh, so for it's Canada's 150th anniversary this year, and of course we are all excited for the festivities, the Pride and the free Canada's Parks passes. And But I understand you've chosen to celebrate with something a little different. So can you uh, tell me more on three things for Canada? I would love to. Uh, so my I have three sesquicentennial dreams for Canada. The first one I can't talk about anymore because it was cruelly dashed in four straight games last week. Um, but we can talk about the other two. Uh, the second one is I want to be able to say the word sesquicentennial as much as possible because it is super fun to say. When do you ever get to say it? Now I get to say it on the radio. The third real one is I'm reaching out to Canadians from coast to coast to coast to copy a program we've had in Calgary for some years. And that is to actually give an anniversary gift to the country. And that anniversary gift is three acts of community service. And I'm reaching out to every Canadian to think about what three things can you do for the community. It could be something really small, mow your neighbor's lawn. It could be something really big, run for the student's council at your school or join a nonprofit board. But the idea is that if we spread that virus of service, then that's 100 million acts of service this year across the country, for your city, for your country, for your world. And I'm really excited because mayors and premiers and federal politicians and community leaders across Canada have adopted this. I just met with a bunch of people from the Boys and Girls Club across Canada who are looking at doing this. Uh, yesterday I met with the Federal Minister of Immigration who is doing it in his own community, uh, in the Somali Canadian community, in his own constituency uh, outside, or in Toronto, I should say. So it's really taking off. But the really exciting thing about it is that in a world that sometimes feels like it's coming apart at the seams, I just love the symbolism of Canada saying, for our big anniversary, we chose to build community. And we chose to build community through service. So I hope that everyone will think about what three things or more they can do this year and every year for the community. It's called Three Things for Canada. You can learn more at threethingsforcanada.ca. But while we're on the topic of the sesquicentennial, I should also say that this year is full of celebration in many, many ways. We're going to have Neighbor Day on June the 17th, small-scale activities in people's neighbourhoods. It's time to start planning your activities now. We're encouraging people to take a Canada 150 theme, and you've got a couple weeks left, actually about three weeks left, if you want to apply for a free block party permit or to book park spaces in your neighbourhood for that. And of course, Canada Day this year is going to be the biggest and best ever. I normally go to 20 or 25 events on Canada Day in every corner of the city. I start early in the morning with a breakfast for seniors at the Calgary Zoo, and I finish off when I get to push the button to start the fireworks at night. And my big problem this year is I have to fit in about five or ten more events. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be fantastic. Good news. All right, Tegan, good stuff. Thank and you Fraser, much. you get the final question. My honor. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show, of course, Mayor Nenshi. Uh, I just have the final question for you. Having obviously graduated high school, do you have any tips that you would like to give high school students of today? 
oh man, I can go on about this forever. Uh, and I'm really excited, actually, because I graduated from Queen Elizabeth High School. And this year I've been asked to be, oh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say it. Let's just say uh, I'm getting a chance to go back to Queen Elizabeth High School to <laughs> give some tips to students in high school, uh, awesome. which I'm really thrilled about. But, you know, I am one of those weird people, which if you ask me about high school teenage angst, I didn't really have any. I actually really enjoyed high school. Is that weird? <laughs> I had great friends. I went to a terrific school. Um, even the teachers were okay. And what I really encourage everybody to do, but especially people at that age, is take risks. Try new stuff. See what it sounds like to be on the radio. <laughs> um, because this is a really great opportunity to meet different kinds of people, to learn about different ways of living and different ways of being in community, and to really experiment with yourselves. I always tell the story that when I finished junior high, I was feeling a bit precocious and I decided to go to a high school where I didn't know anybody. There was nothing wrong with my junior high years, they were great, but I wanted to reinvent myself. So I went to a brand new place where I didn't know anybody and halfway through my grade 10 year, it was announced by the Board of Education that they were closing my junior high school and moving the entire program into my high school. The teachers, the students, everything. So my plan didn't really work. <laughs> But, uh, but that's really uh, something I encourage young people to do. But I'll tell you a couple of very specific things. I did two things in high school that served me well every single day. I did a lot of drama. I, I was an actor, not a very good one. Um, and I did debate and public speaking. And I got to tell you that I use those skills every day, not just in the way you would think, not just because obviously I do a lot of public speaking every day, but the way that you learn how to think about a problem the way you learn to think about how to disaggregate something and be able to argue both sides is actually a very rare skill and a very, very powerful skill that more people in the world need to have. And it's something that I encourage students to really get into. All right. Fraser, Chris, Tegan, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having us. All right, and now we're taking a break because we're going to the phones and we've got texts coming in. Can't Four we just zero. keep these guys No, break. you can't. No, no, we've got Come tougher on. questions than that. <laughs> I like that idea. 403-974-8255. The mayor joining me here live on location at Ernest Manning High School. But now the questions are over to you. We'll take a break and we'll get back to the mayor and your questions after this. Yes, those three Ernest Manning High School students were pretty pumped. They went and just had a selfie with Mary Nancy, but I said, you got to be back here in three minutes because I'm not answering all these questions. I suspect they would have come up with really tough questions if we had let them keep going. 403-974-8255. How about this for a tough question? Have you paid back the lawsuit? Oh, oh my favorite thing to talk about. So let me explain what happened here which is that the city now has a policy in place, which is the right thing to do to protect uh, politicians and, in fact, all city employees from frivolous lawsuits. So if the city solicitor determines that, you know, you were doing your job and the lawsuit really, you know, has no merit or no basis, then you're indemnified and the city will take care of your expenses. And in most cases, the city law department will just do it themselves. In this particular case, because it was kind of aggressive and it was an area that the city law department does not have a lot of experience in, uh, they recommended that we hire outside counsel, which got very expensive. So in the end, the city paid for it, which is, I think, the right thing to do to protect people. But I also think it's kind of a lousy use of public money. And I thought, look, I've got the ability to fundraise for this, and I should. I should pay the city back for this because there's better uses for that money. And so we're at it now. Now, one of the challenges that I've got is that the ethics advisor, um, because this was kind of a new world, 
I was going to say made up. She did make them up, but it doesn't sound that bad. Um, put out a series of um, rules around the fundraising just to put some parameters, which is fine. But one of them is I'm not supposed to know what's going on, mm. which is very frustrating. Uh, I'm not supposed to know who's given. I'm not supposed to know how the thing is going, except in very general terms. And so I know that there's a group of volunteers out there. I know that they've raised almost all the money, uh, and that should be finished relatively quickly. Um, and I'd like to just get that done. Because as I say, you know, people are saying, you owe the city this. Mm -hmm. or you know, In fact, what it is is I'm trying to pay the city back because I think the city could make better use of that money than to pay lawyers. So that's it. It's it's being handled. You don't know the ins and outs of it, but you will be paying that back. I mean, it was your comments that probably launched the lawsuit in the first place. So I think maybe that's why a lot of people say, yeah, yeah. Mary Nancy should pay it but, back. But, you know, it's also doing your job, right? And in, in a lot of places in the world uh, and in the United States, we see a lot of what are called slaps. That stands for Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation. And they actually are usually put by wealthy people specifically to shut politicians up. And whether you agree or disagree with a politician, that ain't democracy. And people have to be protected from that. And, you know, $300,000, I make a good income, you know, but your school board trustee doesn't. And if someone really wanted to shut them up and cause this huge bill for them, that's just not right. Do you just have to watch how you word things, though? Yeah, you know. You know, but, I mean, it's not so much stopping you from doing your job, but it's what you called Mr. Wenzel. That I didn't. Well, well, you know, I don't want to get into the merits yeah. of it, but I'll remind you that I didn't call him anything. And in fact, um, I've been called much worse, and I am called much worse every single day. All right, let's get back to those. Uh, oh, let's go to the phones. Les, you've been waiting for a while. Hello, Les. Hello. I guess that what's your question for the mayor? Stones. Anyways. Yes. Um, yes. What is the deal with? getting a permit for the tents. Oh, you mean for the stampede or? The, the stampede, the stampede breakfast, whatever. Like I, I Say a little more about your concern and I can uh, see if I know what I'm talking about well, on the reply. Well, the on, all over um, Facebook it says, you know, if you want a tent for your event during the summer, your event tents, you have to get a permit for them. Yes, so you do for large, um, for larger events, not you know for something in your backyard. Uh, and what we've tried to do is, uh, over the course of the last several years, I think we made the change about five or six years ago, because what we were seeing was that people were throwing these huge, huge, huge stampede events, like in the parking lot of a bar and so on, and really disturbing the neighbors. And not having any, uh, and, and, and some people were very concerned about safety issues. So it's actually a very simple process to contact the city. They'll tell you whether a permit is needed or not. It has to do with how big it is, how many people you're expecting, uh, how late it's going to go at night, um, what the noise levels are going to be. They're going to walk you through what some of the rules are. And if you actually do need a permit, it's actually a pretty simple and not very expensive process. All right, Les. Okay, uh, one more question if I could. Sure. Uh, the city landfill. Uh, yes. I've noticed in my neighborhood of Albert Park, Radisson Heights, garbage. Ah, my favorite neighborhood, as you know. You, yeah, I, I know this. Mm -hmm. So we've got garbage piled up. Our community cleanup is next Saturday. By all means, please stop by. But the Forest Lawn City Dump is opened, I believe, Tuesday to Saturday. Something like that. And yeah. the fees are now, what, $20, $25 minimum? 
Yeah, so what we've done here, and so let me say two things. Uh, first is, as you say, Les, we're starting community cleanup season. And this year we've got more community cleanups uh, than we've ever had before. I think there's 106 or 160 of them uh, over the course of the next few months. And those are great opportunities because there are no fees and you can do a community cleanup in your own neighborhood. The garbage trucks come. And if you've got big things you need to throw away that won't fit in your bin, even up to mattresses and stuff, you can do that. We're also going to have composting trucks out. So for things like wood and paper and so on that you want to get rid of, that old desk, that kind of thing, um, you can do that as well. It's a great opportunity to avoid the landfill and avoid the landfill fees. Uh, now, what's happened on the landfill fees side is that the landfills, a lot of their operating costs come from those tipping fees that you're talking about. Uh, and most of that, or, or not most, a big chunk of it comes from industrial and commercial waste. And given the economic downturn, the revenues for the landfills have gone way, way, way down. And because they're supported by the fees and not by taxes, they were facing a deficit. And so what we decided to do was we've got three landfills in the city, so we're now alternating them so that they're not all, op they're not all open seven days a week. They're all open a different set of five days a week. So there's always one or two, I think there's always two landfills open on any given day, but not all of them are open all the time. And we've cut the hours back a little bit. Uh, and I believe we've made a small increase, not a very large one, to the tipping fees because uh, you don't want to increase it too much because that can encourage illegal dumping. So, you know, it's not great and, and it did result in some people losing their jobs uh, at the city, but it was probably a prudent way to do this. And as the revenue goes back up, we are going to see how we can adjust those hours. Uh, that said, I know that Councillor Keating uh, was particularly concerned about the Shepherd Landfill's days that it's open. Um, because it's not open on the weekend at all, I believe. And so we're still working on getting the hours exactly right so that we can maximize the service to people. But it does mean that you should call and check and make sure your landfill site is open. Uh, and either, the, either that you might have to drive a little bit further or uh, wait for another day. Les, thanks so much for the questions. Okay. Thanks. Let's take a break. 403-974-8255. I've got a number of text questions lined up here and uh, phone calls to come as well. I'm Angela Cocott along with Marinanchi. We are on location at Ernest Manning High School. We're back after this. Yes, that is the number to call, 403-974-8255. The mayor always loves to answer your questions, and also we've got lots of texts as well. Same number, 403-974-8255. Let's address the elephant in the room. The poll that came out showing that you have dropped from January to, I think, around 52% now. I think it was around 60. Uh, I know a lot of politicians say they only care about one poll, and that's the one on Election Day. But... I only care about one poll, and that's the one on Election Day. <laughs> Any idea? Rob Breckenridge was surmising yeah, that he says him. you heard him. I heard him, and I was kind of laughing because I was like, "Rob, you could say, why don't we ask the mayor who will be on in just a few minutes?" Any idea why you? Th uh, and I again, I don't know how closely you watch yeah. these. Polls, I, I really, I really don't. Um, I really, really don't. Because if you did, it'd make you crazy. Um, you know, look, there's three things, uh, and the first two are kind of pundity, right? The one is, is the poll accurate? Who knows? Um, the, the methodology is a bit weird. This particular pollster sometimes is out of field with other things, but I, I'm not going to fuss about it. You know, I do remember that this pollster, when they polled secondary suites, got a number 20 points different than any other pollster got. Uh, that was a while ago. But in any case, I'm not going to fuss about that. Uh, you know, and there's lots of pundits who would say, seven years and still above 50% and high net approval? Like, nobody gets that. But again... 
if I wanted to blow my own horn, I would do that. I guess I just did. <laughs> um, the most important thing, though, is that really I just go to work every day and I just do my job. And at this point, all these years in, you know, if you haven't actually irritated people, it means you haven't done anything. And so, again, the people will get a chance in the fall. And I always say, and you've heard me say it on the show before, Angela, that I'm a very rare politician in that I really believe in democracy. And if someone is out there that is putting forth a really compelling vision for what they want to see the city become, and that's more interesting to people than mine, that's great. And if that's what people really want, that's even better uh, because people then get that choice. And, you know, I don't define myself by this role. I'm just really happy that I actually get the chance to go to work every day and try and do the right thing. And I'll just keep doing that. And in the fall, people will get to decide if they think my right thing is their right thing. Let's get to some of the text questions here. Uh, let's see. Can you please ask the mayor why the potholes are the worst I've seen in over 40 years? Budget cuts on an election year. Also, I heard that some extraordinary expenses are being deferred until 2018. Any truth to that? So do you want to address the potholes? I can address and, both of those things. Uh, in fact, I do know why they're so bad. I don't know if they're the worst in 40 years. It's just because of the, the vagaries of this particular winter. Uh, because, you know, as you recall, one of the, recently when I was on the show, we were talking about snow falling on ice. There's been more freeze-thaw cycles uh, than normal, and in fact, there's been a lot more snow days. So we've been very lucky in the last few years because we, when I became mayor, we changed around some arcane things about how we do the shifts on snow removal that we've talked about before. But it meant if you had a few really nice days with no snow, that those crews could go out and preemptively fix the potholes before the spring. And there were relatively far fewer of those days mm. this year than there have been in previous years. No budget cuts. We're still at it. Uh, and so if you see them, call 311, get them on the list, and the guys will be working, the guys and gals will be working uh, through the spring and through the summer filling those. Uh, on the other question, uh, it's not true that extraordinary expenses have been deferred to 2018 because that would be slimy. Um, what is true is that because of the fact that we had saved money during the good times, and we were able to use that money in two ways, one to build infrastructure and second for one-time tax rebates uh, in these economic tough times to get people through. You know, as you know, for example, we put out $45 million to reduce the small business, actually all businesses tax rates in the city and cap the increases for those businesses outside of downtown. So we have been doing that, and that's the right thing to do as far as I'm concerned. Save money in the good times, spend it in the bad times. Um, but because of that, it does mean that if we want to get to another year of zero tax increases in 2018, as we had in 2017, we got to fill that hole. we got to fill the gap. Uh, so we just learned this week that, well, I knew, but we learned publicly this week, that the gap from the current budget in 2018, which is already set, right. to get to a zero tax increase is about $170 million. This is not Armageddon, uh, but it does mean that we'll have to work hard in three areas, as you always do. One is, what's the right revenue? In other words, should we increase taxes by the rate of inflation? Um, because we haven't been doing that. Uh, or are there fees and other things that we need to think about for revenue? Number two is cutting costs. Uh, what do we do to bring costs down, especially because you're starting to slowly see increases in things like diesel and uh, steel and concrete, the things that we rely on 
as we do our work in the city. And then the third is to what extent do we dip into the savings? There's still savings there. We've dipped into them pretty significantly, but they're still there. And so those are the things that the new council uh, after the election in the fall is going to really have to sort out as they develop their 2018 budget and then go into a 2019 to 2022 right, budget before, cycle. Yeah. All right. Uh, expanding on the mayor's answer about tips for high schoolers, um, the Ernest Manning students who asked this, how would social media have changed his high school experience? That text from Diane. It's awful, you know. <laughs> um, when in 2010, uh, when I started in this job, I really enjoyed the repartee and the really authentic discussions that you could have with people on social media. Mm -hmm. And over the last year, year and a half, we've really gotten to a world where people are nasty. Uh, and in fact, I've actually, believe it or not, met with big wigs at Twitter saying, Twitter used to be awesome. <laughs> and now, you know, people are saying really hateful things, a lot of anonymous things and so on, which is a long way of saying, man, that's tough. And I imagine if you're a teenager, that's really tough. But the thing that I've really been heartened about is that when I go to high schools now, and I do, the incredible support that the students give one another. You know, I remember I was in a, in a high school in Winnipeg and someone asked me a question about getting involved in public life. And I said, oh, you know, I'm really excited to get this question from a young woman because we need more women involved in public life. And I gave a big, big, long answer. And then she stopped me and she said, excuse me, I need you to understand that I don't identify as a woman. You know, and I, uh, I identify as a trans person. And I thought to myself, did she just say that in this auditorium in front of all these other students? And then I realized that this was actually a great place for her right. because the other students were like, yeah, support her in her choices. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a bit of both. I think you've got really nasty bullying, but you also have really supportive students, more so than grownups in the room sometimes. If I was a parent of a teenager today, though, I would really, really be nervous and I would really be encouraging and, and I do have teenage nieces, uh, I would really be encouraging them to find their own strength and find the group of people that supports them for who they are. All right, Mayor Nancy, uh, we've got more text questions. Uh, quiet on the phones, 403-974-8255. You know he answers anything, and we'll find out what your questions are after this. Yes, that is the number to call and text. And why don't we go straight to the phones and say hello to Steve. Hi, Steve, what's your question for the mayor? Well, I see you're ignoring the alien text, but anyways. <laughs> the what? <laughs> the alien text. <laughs> You'll have to thumb through it. Anyways, I know Hi, a Steve. Filipino girl. Hi. <laughs> who are, you, you know why you really are a good mayor, though? And I hate to say this. It's because you like the job. And I've studied all the presidents of the United States, and only a handful actually like the job. And they were Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, Teddy Roosevelt. But most of them just felt prisoners in office. Anyways, I'll get to my uh, question. Thanks, I know a Steve. Filipino I do like girl the who mm -hmm. works in, uh, at the Seton Hospital okay. or campus or whatever they call it now. She lives in Whitehorn. It's two buses oh, and two trains. It drives her crazy that we don't have a BRT. And she knows people who live in Saddle Ridge, but she says all the jobs that, you know, in Foothills Industrial and that, in the, in, in, in that, those kind of things, and the hospital, they all live in the north, on the east side of the city. And if you're in Saddle Ridge, again, it's two buses, two trains to get to work. 
on the east side, why there can't be a BRT that runs those accordion buses from Saddle Ridge all the way to the hospital and back? Like, why does that require years of study? Or does anybody even know there's a need for that? So I got good news. I got good news. As you know, we have funded a large BRT network through the city. Uh, The first four of those BRTs are under construction as we speak. Uh, The North Cross Town, the South Cross Town, the first part of the Southwest, and the 17th Avenue Southeast BRT. The next one is the 52nd Street BRT that will go from Saddle Ridge to the new hospital in Seton. Uh, So it'll take a little while to build because it's so hugely very long. And I know this is going to sound silly, but one of the things she might want to investigate is that there actually is a bus that goes straight down 52nd Street. I can't, I used to have the entire Calgary Transit map memorized, but I can't remember if it goes as far as the hospital. But rather than go downtown, come back out and take another bus, she actually might find that it is faster to take the 52nd Street BRT uh, to the bus loop uh, down by Douglasdale and then hop on the 302 from there. She might want to try that out. Steve, thanks for the uh, question. I just got so many. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And I've got more phone calls. And I also want to address this texter. Talk about mean social media. But uh, can you give Chabot a free hour once a month to do free campaigning? You blah, blah, blah. Goes on to say some things that I'm not going to repeat. But I will say right now, we are, believe it or not, this is not the actual campaign. Not yet. Not and, for a long time. And when that 30, is it 30 days or 36 days? What's uh, It is about a, a month, month starting in September. But we uh, at the city have kind of an informal rule that... After Stampede, um, you kind of slow down on the office stuff and do more of the campaign stuff. In my world, and having been through this in 2013, i got to keep being the mayor until until I'm not the mayor anymore. And I know during that official campaign period, yeah, you bet, we will not have Mayor Nenshi on because I will not be able to give every mayoralty candidate an hour of time. So we've had this ever since the mayor has been mayor. So you can continue to text and criticize, but that's uh, exactly why I am not going to be giving Andre Chabot an hour of radio time tomorrow. Let's go to the phones. No, you totally could. (laughs) I could. He's totally interesting. And and Andre and I, we (laughs) talk to Andre a lot. So let's uh, go back to the phone. How about Alan? Hello, yeah, Alan. Hello. Yeah, how are you doing? Good doing, Hi, well. I was wondering why every C train track, the new Green Line, has to go downtown. Other cities, not every train track goes downtown. The expense of doing this is appalling. And why can't it go from the southeast to the northeast directly to, like, Franklin Station? Uh, the cost is enormous. Uh, and, in fact, the... Calgary Transit has for a long time been built on this hub-and-spoke model that really is about getting people downtown and back out again. So the bus Not rapid it. transit, the bus Not rapid transit network that we've built. Well, I know, Alan, exactly. Alan we know that, Alan, but he's got to answer your question. Right? I'm getting there, Alan. Uh, as a matter of fact, Calgary's downtown has a higher proportion, even in this downturn, of office employment in a downtown core of pretty much any city in North America, and that's partially because the transit network has, has driven that. That said, we also, uh, in the route ahead plan which is the future plan for public transit have been building out a whole whack of bus rapid transit uh, lanes which gets you about 80 percent of the travel time savings for about 20 percent of the cost Uh, and those are and those don't go downtown because they specifically are as you say to get people from north just like the last caller was asking about to get people from northeast calgary to work in the south Um, the crosstown the north crosstown uh, brt is one of my favorites because it gets 
people from Northeast Calgary to the Foothills Hospital, the University of Calgary, and the Alberta Children's Hospital, which are huge employment centers. The South Crosstown is all about funneling people into the Foothills industrial area where they work uh, in Southeast Calgary. And of course, the famous Southwest BRT that we've talked so much about is really about getting people from, uh, to Rocky View Hospital, to Mount Royal University, and then easy connections to the University of Calgary and Foothills Hospital. Alan, thanks for the call. Let me just keep moving on here. I answered hey, the question, you, actually. You said, um, but, why uh, does, why you, do you want me to try it again, Alan? <laughs> because actually I answered it fully. And the green line that you're talking about actually is about getting people from the deep southeast to downtown because they do work downtown. But by the way, it also goes through the Foothills Industrial Area, getting people to the jobs that are there. And Alan, right off the top, he said it does come down to an expense, right? You're saying you would love to have a separate line that just runs northeast to southeast. Is that what you were suggesting? Oh, people. A lot of people work in northeast go to the industrial southeast or vice right. versa and right. if they want to go downtown they can transfer at the franklin station same as the center street north could go to the zoo it doesn't even have to go downtown and calgary stampede is going to be very very upset and you didn't even attend that meeting at the council meeting and then you portray that you represent the city the Calgary Stampede is going to Alan? be very, very upset. Alan, Alan, you know, we work with the Calgary Stampede every day, so I'm a little surprised. And by the way, in seven years, I've, I've never actually missed a council meeting. But thanks. Yeah, Alan, thanks for the call. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are always frustrated that the C train doesn't run right out their front door. Well, should, but... well no, because if it does go to their front door, they complain that they don't want the train so close. <laughs> Someone else's front door, but I want to be able to walk a block to it. Uh, you know what? Let's take a break for traffic. Here we go. Let's squeeze in some calls here and go to, oh, gee, I just saw Derek, and then suddenly he disappeared. Uh, let's go to Roy on the phones. Hi, Roy. Hello. Is Roy there? Hey, Roy. Hey, Roy. Hi. I uh, appreciate you taking the call. I'll just make it real quick. Uh, has the city ever looked at going into an above-ground monorail system? Uh and if they had, what's the reason why we're not looking at it like that one, like what they have down in Seattle and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. I can talk about that. So there's two things there. One is above ground, uh, like the Vancouver Skytrain or Seattle. The other is monorail. The monorail technology, bluntly, doesn't really work. Even the one in Seattle, I think it was built for the World's Fair, and it, it's very limited. It's mostly just for tourists. It, it tends to break down over long distances and so on. But the suspended above ground is a really interesting question. And so, you know, the, the West LRT, for example, that terminates here at Ernest Manning High School, uh, has underground and above ground and surface level. It sort of does all of them all at once, and the technology is robust enough to do that. We had a big debate over the downtown alignment of the proposed Green Line, whether it should be at surface level where it's kind of interfering with traffic, uh, as 7th Avenue is now, uh, or if it should be underground, or if it should be above ground um, and suspended in the air. And in fact, I called the above ground the Nenshi option. Uh, because I thought that was a really interesting way to do it. As it turned out, it didn't work for that piece of it through downtown Calgary because of the plus 15s, because of the way uh, the buildings work uh, in downtown Calgary. But the technology that we're using for the LRT absolutely allows for above-ground stations. Our first one is in Sinalta uh, on the West LRT, and there may well be some along the, green LR um, along the Green Line as well. Roy, thanks for that. I want to just try to get in one more call at least. Uh, let's go to the next line. Adam, hello, Adam. What is your question for the mayor? Yeah, hey, sorry, Angela. Hi, Adam. I, I don't uh, have a, a question. Hey, Mr. Mayor. 
Um, I actually live up in Holt, but I listen to the show from a distance. But I just wanted to say uh, it's it's awesome hearing how you run the city. I love that people complain, but you still have a <laughs> a strong back to it. So it's uh, good good to hear. And uh, I like your show, Angela. Oh, thank you very much, Adam. Thanks, thank, thanks yeah. for the call, Adam. Thanks, thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. You know, you know, you know, Angela. I'm I'm, I'm reading over your shoulder, which I know I'm not supposed not to do. Supposed to. <laughs> but there was an interesting question there about the economic diversification that we um, hit, hit hit at the top of right. the show, saying, "Is this really going to help people?" And what about jobs? It here, yeah, it says, it. "Hi, Ange. Question for the mayor: How does the mayor's economic diversification impact jobs? My concern is that while the economy will diversify, the people will not. Example: Diamond Company came to town, but requires ten plus years mining experience. Doesn't want to look at oil and gas experience." This is a really important question because we've seen even a lot of employers are nervous about hiring oil and gas folks because they think, well, when the price of oil goes back up, they're going to leave. It's one of the reasons why the six areas we're looking at are areas where it's relatively easy to get the highly trained technical staff we already have in Calgary moving along. So, you know, you might not know the coding of this particular piece of software, but maybe you're a reservoir engineer who's like a really smart technical engineer and it's relatively easy to pick up the, those skills on the side it's just sort of a different language um, I think that that is part of it you know when we look at clean tech and renewables those are skills that are directly transferable uh, from the oil and gas sector the other thing is that so many people in the oil and gas sector have jobs in things like IT and human resources and accounting and logistics um, law and those folks benefit from improvement in the economy regardless. But I will tell you, when I was in Silicon Valley, I had this very specific conversation with leaders in the tech sector uh, all over the place saying, what do you think? Do you need people who are specifically trained for that job? Or do you need people who are flexible in their thinking and can get trained for that job? And it's one of the reasons why I'm so interested in these tech companies, because they know that if I get someone who's trained in Ruby on Rails today, we might not use Ruby on Rails six months from now. What I need is someone smart who's willing to work hard, who's got good ideas. And that's why that particular sector is a really good fit for us. Mayor Nancy, as always, the phone board always lights up, it seems, in the next last half hour. But um, you can always email the mayor. The mayor at calgary.ca. You can hit me on Twitter, at Nenshi. If you have something really mean to say to me, actually, this is a great week to say it because I'm doing a fun thing on the weekend. It's already sold out, so this is not a pitch uh, called Nenshi versus Twitter uh, at Loose Moose Theatre where I read mean tweets and the, uh, the improv comedians act them out. Surprisingly, I've been having trouble finding really mean tweets, so hey. Here's your chance. Nench, at Nenshi on Twitter. <laughs> Mayor Nenshi, thanks as always. Thank you. we got news coming up next. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.